learned about Heidi. But cockroaches were the least of her problems. Heidi had to fight for every opportunity. You know, Heidi is, even though she's very kind of sweet and innocent. Heidi wanted out of the slum, and her agent wasn't doing enough. Oh my God, they moved Heidi right next to me now. Although Heidi seems serene. She is, she's a bit naughty. She uses an ancient folk remedy to help calm her down. Heidi is back. afternoon it is 69 degrees right now so i hope that uh you got your radio on and sitting outside taking in this beautiful weather heidi glouse here with josh gilbert connor over on the board and i i had to know we got off early last night 5 30 even though it took me twice as long to get home because traffic was atrocious but when we walked out the sun was still up in the yes. sky Right. So I found this. When will St. Louis have sunsets after 6 p.m.? The days are getting longer, which I'm so happy about. Uh, We're a little more than two weeks away from setting our clocks back for daylight saving time. But post 6 p.m. sunsets in the St. Louis area will occur a few days before that. In St. Louis, the sun will set after 6 p.m. for the first time this year. Wednesday, March 6th. Oh. So, we're getting there. It's coming up. We are getting there. Uh, today is, man, are we going to hit 75? We hit 70 uh, earlier when I was driving around. Let's go for 75. I'll take it. And if we were off early enough or the sun was out late enough, I'd be hitting the park up Yeah, when it's... I get home with Finn. But that's... It's going to be way too dark for that. But today, soon oh, enough, soon the, enough, the light is at the end of the I tunnel. I was going to say there is a glimmer at the end of the tunnel. You know, today I met a uh, an old friend for coffee, and I'm wondering. You know, there's just certain people that you haven't seen them in six months, maybe two years, but you pick up right where you left off. And then there are other friends where it's just more challenging. And I don't know what the secret ingredient is to that, that some of it is easier than others. Because it's not even like, you know, she and I text often. It was just one of those things, hey, haven't seen you, know you're back in town. When are you free for coffee? And I have a handful of friends like that, that I'm so lucky to have but what do you guys think on the woods basement systems text line 84126 what is it with certain people that you just pick up where you left off and others maybe you wouldn't know what to say that's so interesting because i know exactly who it is in my life because i just spoke to one over the weekend uh my buddy jim who i probably haven't seen in three years probably pre-pandemic 
but he was in my wedding. Uh, he's one of my best friends ever. And I called him up and I was just like, hey, we got to get you know, together. He just got a job over at Worldwide, which is right there. And I'm like, we got to do lunch. Easy. And it was so easy. Yeah. By the way, somebody said that their car has 73 in St. Peter's. Mm. And someone else pointed out that spring, you spring forward. But I was saying fall back to daylight savings, but not like. Fall. Oh yeah, was, it's like turn words. up. Yes, the heat. sorry. Instead of turn down, but right. you know what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just wondering what that is. And then after coffee, it wasn't too far from my mom and dad's, and went over there and sat on their back deck for about an hour and chatted. And it was just it's been a a great day. You know, sometimes I feel like you put so many things. In front of maybe what is truly important. Oh, I didn't get my walk in today. I didn't get my workout in. And I was driving here. And I'm like, you know what? Sitting there with my mom and dad for an hour is so much more important than me doing a bicep curl as far as that goes. So I just feel so lucky and blessed today. And I'm glad that you guys are here to be a a part of the show. You know, what is they is that that they say um, about your mental health mm-hmm. being uh, just as important as your physical health and your mental well-being? Absolutely. Plays such a big role in your physical well-being. I mean, we got a doctor in the house. In what? the house. I know, and I'm so happy today. about that. Speaking of workouts, though, I saw this. I think it's on CNN. Too busy to exercise. A study found skip working out all week. And just really go for it on the weekends. As long as you get 150 total minutes of exercise, this new study says it doesn't matter how you fit it in. I swear there's just there's a new study on exercise and health every other hour, it seems. I saw but, one that said uh, that women receive the maximum benefits of exercising twice as fast as men. Mm-hmm. Once again, women get it all. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to disagree when it comes to losing weight. But so this is, and this is the opposite of what I do. I tend to go hard during the week. So you can take the weekend off. And then take the weekend off. But then I feel like I'm stepping like back on the scale and starting over every single Monday. I'm just fighting that same Five. It's my philosophy when it comes to our weight. It's a weight loss journey, which yes. is what I keep telling my wife. Or just you know, a health journey. That a day or two bender of, you know, pizza and avocado toast yeah. is not going to ruin all the strides we made the previous five days or the next five days. Mm-hmm. So, and it's been playing out on my scale. So, just hang in there. At least it's working for me. Uh, someone else saying, hey, Heidi, it's uh, 73 in Washington, Missouri right now. Washmo. that. I have several friends that I can go years without seeing. And as soon as we see each other, we pick up right where we left off. But what do you think it is? Because I don't feel like it's necessarily the history that you have with the person. Because I have, you know, worked with certain people for years and still don't have the same kind of ease. The the other end of that coin that you had mentioned, the friends that you struggle with uh-huh. the longer your distance is, uh, for me, I don't want to put a fine point on it because I'm afraid 
that the answer is going to be, well, maybe we just didn't have that much in common. In the beginning. To begin with. And that scares me because these these are people that I would, you know, take a bullet for. But I think that we all have friends slash acquaintances that come in maybe through seasons of our life. And they're there for certain moments and certain people that are always going to be there and certain people that maybe they were just in your life for that two or three years to teach you something or you were supposed to teach them something. You mean Moochie from college isn't going to be there when I'm 60? You don't know. How about this? Yesterday, <laughs> a person— Holding my legs up for the keg stands? I worked with uh, in 79 and 80 while living in Virginia, reached out on Facebook. We talked for an hour, laughed, Ooh, and caught cool. up from where we left off. Yeah. Uh, somebody else pointed out that if you work out hard on the weekends and work all your muscle groups, you won't be able to move all week. Agreed. And our friend Susan says, you're so lucky to be visit." with your folks like you did keep it up life is short and that's true and it's a, a great reminder um my mom is is one of the biggest um she's catholic so catholic guilt big yep. thing big thing with her uh but she but does she put that guilt on you oh yeah oh, okay oh yeah uh, but one of the things that she has resigned uh and is okay with because I am calling her regularly is the fact that I call her when I'm driving mm-hmm. to and from. And at first she was like, oh, you're only calling me because you're just driving to work and you got nothing better to do. And I said, yeah, it's it's true. <laughs> but now she gets me like almost twice a day. So she's she's happy. She's fine with it. now. Yeah. As long as you're calling. Yes. It's true. Uh, I got to tell you something. All right. I don't know if this is a me thing. Or if it's an age thing, not that we're even that far uh, difference in age. I have never had coffee with someone. With a friend. I have never scheduled that. I've never done it. I've done it while being with them and say, hey, you want to go? Let's pop in here and grab a cup of coffee real quick. Now, that's interesting. I've never said, let's go get coffee sometime. Hmm. You know, meals. Sure. Lunches. But do you sure. always have time for all of that? And I feel like if you're having a meal, maybe you don't have time to really talk. If you have the coffee, you're taking a sip, you talk, you don't have to worry about food in your teeth or anything else that's going on. I'm going to say something incredibly sexist, probably. Oh, okay. But this is just my experience, and maybe it's true with other men out there. We don't cultivate relationships as well as you guys do. Friendships, mm-hmm. you know, a quick text to a buddy is like you going to get coffee with a girlfriend that we just don't take the time to schedule things like that. Yeah. Is that fair? Is that sexist? I don't know if men get coffee as much as women. Do. I will say today we went to Wolf Cafe in Baldwin, which is super cute and it's kind of real food. That's what they, you know, kind of their slogan. Then it kind of turns into a tap room slash a nightclub and they have some open mics and a on okay. certain nights but it's really cute i would say it was mostly women mm-hmm. however in my hood at park avenue coffee i would say it's 50 50 now that might be a lot of business meetings right sitting there and discussing i don't know that it's necessarily friendships brewing but i don't i guess i don't do a lot of business you know 
Yeah. You know, I don't call Rick up at Dogtown P. Hey, let's go get coffee. And the boss would probably say, well, you should. Yeah, he, yeah, he probably would say that. Yeah. What we do to cultivate some of these relationships. We'd call Rick up and say, let's go grab a slice. Mm-hmm. But I've done that, too, for just acquaintances. Oh, you've been so good to me. Let's go grab coffee and catch up. And maybe not silly friends, but just kind of. I don't want to say due diligence, but a little bit. I find myself uh, doing, I call my mom all the time, like I, like I just mentioned, and she's busier in retirement than she ever oh, was. Oh, mine too. So she's got like three lunches today, you know, and she's going to this, that, the other. I find myself getting coffee with male friends all the time when I'm retired. I would love to do that. You think? I just, well, I don't know. I, I'm not there yet. But I just don't find the hours in the day to prioritize, I guess, friendships like that. Well, this is interesting because somebody said they think you're right. Men do not cultivate friendships with other men. And then somebody else saying it's his age. Older guys cultivate relationships. And I can say I see my dad doing that more. And I'm so proud of them because they spent 45 years you know, 40 years in New Madras where they raised their kids, where all their friends were, and then decided, what was it, uh, 14 years ago, to pick up and move to the city. Now, they're in Baldwin, but still, that's a pretty big jump when you're in your, I guess they were in their 60s. And the way that both of them have just really worked to create new friendships, people that they didn't know. And some of them, they have friends with couples, and some of them, it is one-on-one relationships. I think it's great that both of them are really good about, you know, just starting a conversation with someone and finding out their likes and then working on that. Trying to get my mom to join a book club out in Newtown. Yeah. Just to, for that reason, just to get more friends, especially where you live. Um, I don't know. I'd be interested to see if I'm going to text my core group of guys, Mm -hmm. college guys. They all live in town. I'm going to text them and say, hey, anybody want to go get some coffee? Well, and somebody pointing out, do you do that and go get a beer? Because it's basically the same thing. Do you call them and say, hey, you want to grab a beer tonight? Or you don't do that either? I lately I haven't been prioritizing that, you know, because it it just seems like there's enough going on at home or I don't necessarily want to leave my wife, you know, at home to deal with, you know, Finn. And and I feel guilty for, you know, going out and having a beer after work or something while she's dealing with with the baby. So I'm sure when he gets older, well. Then I'm probably going to have to be carting them around to. Yeah, you're going to be a taxi driver. Somebody said, what about hitting Darren up for lunch? LOL. You do do that a lot. I do. But that's just because you're cheaper. I try to pay. I even gave my card while he was in the bathroom last time. I gave my card to uh, the waitress and she said, Darren already paid. Yeah. (laughs) He preemptively preempted me. Yeah. Somebody said, good afternoon, enjoying your show. As usual, before I retired, several of the guys would get together and discuss business over coffee. I would go uh, sometimes just to be a part of the conversation, but I'm not a coffee drinker. 
And then somebody else saying, go into a McDonald's any given day, and you'll see a group of older men having coffee. That's true. Yeah, it is true. Uh, Our friend Susan, a group of guys I know here and in Perryville, my hometown, get together a certain day of every week for coffee. I know there used to be a group out in Washington, Missouri, too, that they would always kind of meet. And I'm wondering now. Retirees? The, because we did a story on this group of guys that would always meet. Like, kind of, what are you uh, talking about? Is it? And that was retirees. And I don't know if it is a, a male thing, but I think in the working years of our life, you know, family and work is the priority. And and friendships get pushed. Like I said, my one of my best friends I haven't seen since pre-pandemic. Well, I think it also, and this is me just being an observer since, you know, we don't have kids and are just cool aunts. But I, I see how friendships change through the years as you start doing things with the parents of the kids oh, your yeah. kids are with. Right. If they're on the soccer team or the baseball team the or the Bunko football group. team, all of a sudden, you know, that's who you're with on Saturday and Sunday. And so you kind of start – getting a new group of friends is it fair to say that i don't i don't i love meeting new people so don't Uh take this wrong but i don't want to be forced to meet new people that way you know because i like to latch on to people that i have a connection with but just because we're sitting in a gym well i don't think friends with all of them that's not what i'm saying there will be a couple of people that probably creep out of that group yeah that you're like oh i could spend some time with him same thing that just happened to us when we were in mexico we met uh, a couple of girls they actually grew up one of them in my mom's hometown which is just small world in general so that's who we end up going to the blues game with on monday and we were having this conversation and i kind of said look i I'm not really looking for new friends, but I, <laughs> I feel this connection with you. We obviously all hit it off and we're laughing a lot. And it's, I I think we're that not, we're not really looking for something serious right now. Well, <laughs> not taking applications yeah. for new friends, but you don't understand what that I mean, are you, you just said you're not really, I, I just said it. And mm-hmm. so I wouldn't say, but I think there are people that come in your life and that, you know what? Like, all of a sudden, you have different connections where you can talk about certain things and you feel like you're either getting smarter or wiser. or There's something there that you connect with. There was a couple that we met at Olive and Oak, of all places. Mm -hmm. We sat at the bar. They were just finishing up. We were just starting our dinner. We chit-chatted. Just very briefly, then we got to talking pretty seriously, and then they were like, oh, well, we got to go, and uh, they left, and I was like, I wish they were our best friends. <laughs> she got along with my wife. But have you ever tried uh, I got to along find with them? him. He gave me his number. Okay, but then— Is that weird? No. That's how you—I mean, it's how it works. <laughs> I mean, that's how— you know, we ended up staying in touch with this couple from uh, Mexico, exchanged numbers, and then I think I'm the one sending the text message, miss me yet? Yeah, you know? yes. I mean, kind of funny, not just, I mean, 
Kind of sounds like you were desperate there. but I'm, I'm pining after this couple. Yeah. Somebody, John Eaton says, before my mom passed, in her 80s, she used to meet with her girlfriends from McKinley High School all the time for lunch at the casino, the McKinley Ladybugs. That's fantastic. Josh, uh, where Upshot Coffee is, was a break shop. Yes, it was It'd be a, a break group shop. of older guys sitting out on lawn chairs having coffee about once a week. Um, what day? I meet with a <laughs> I'm, I'm coming. group of high school friends once a month. Somebody else said. Sometimes Are you don't want to invite drama into your life, and I do understand that. But I think you got to get that vibe. And I think, hopefully, I mean, we're all in this conversation here on the Woods Basement Systems text line, 84126. I think we're at an age where we know if it's drama, you can also say, you know what? I'm not going to invite that into my life. You know at this point who's good for you and who's not, who's good for you as a couple and who's not. And sometimes you have to make hard decisions. Say, you know what? They're not good for me or us. And if I see them once a year, great. And if I don't, that's okay too. I'm 42 years old. I have never cut anyone out of my life like that. And I guess I've never had to. Yeah. Any sort of drift just happened naturally. But here's my question before we go to Captain Paul Kopsky, who, by the way, Captain Paul, if you want to go have coffee someday, I'm open. Um, would it be weird if I sent this guy a text message and say, hey, not sure if you remember me from four years ago, pre-pandemic. I, I, I think maybe you waited too long on my this My wife one. and I met you at Olive and Oak. Yeah, I, I that we might... hit it off. Do you guys want to go have dinner? <laughs> yeah, they, and and I don't think you jump into dinner. But he had great taste in music. Okay, but you waited too long. Is that a thing? Did I? P.S. Did I wait too long? <laughs> yeah, I mean, has the ship sailed? Someone else. Men have women have deep friendships. I think women are better at connecting on an emotional level. I don't have a single male friend that I would keep in contact with if I moved tomorrow. I'm 52 years old. The Cleveland High School Dutchmen meet every month in uh, Royal Orleans in South County. Cleveland High School. Is That's that still anybody around? anybody from every class invited. Is Cleveland still around? Wasn't the, I think my cousin taught there as a military school. I got to go back. Is that the same? And, yeah. Is that the same Cleveland look, High School? But you guys keep the conversation going here on the Woods Basement Systems text line 84126. Uh, I forgot this guy's name, but I just looked it up on my yeah. phone. Marcus. In Webster Groves, if oh, you're listening. There you go. And you still want a friend? <laughs> yeah. Let's get coffee. <laughs> somebody said you have nothing to lose. Go ahead and contact him. And uh, somebody else pointed out, and I do think this is tough. My wife uh, has a best friend that she sees on a regular basis, has for years. I have nothing in common with her husband. And it's always awkward oh, when I we hate get that. together. So we don't do things as couples, which I, yeah. I do understand that. Do the wives know why? Did, did you say, look, I just don't get along with you. So, so the next time, let these two go out and we'll do other things. My mom meets with school friends in her 80s. But yeah, Josh, I don't have the energy for new friends now. LOL. I just had lunch today with a dozen friends from the Bayless High School class of 70. So much fun to catch up with the ladies. I I love that. I'll tell you what else I love. I love that Deerberg's makes it easy on me not being a chef or a cook or anything that is worthwhile in the kitchen other than maybe opening a, a bottle of wine. Deerberg's 
does have those bottles of wine though yeah. as well. But today, when I ran by to grab my lunch, I got the chicken from you know Bob's. It's all smoked right there. Now, of course, I'm looking ahead to Friday. They have you know salmon already prepared in a couple of different ways. So if you are you know taking part in abiding. In Lent, they make it so easy. Not only do they have salmon, but they have all kinds of fresh seafood. They've got fried catfish. They've got cod. They've got shrimp. More than 10 varieties of hot case items in their deli. And then you can pick the fresh seafood. And I don't know if you know this or not, because I did not until probably the last six months, that Deerbergs will actually bake or steam your seafood for free, no extra charge while you continue to do the rest of your shopping. So you just pick your favorite fish, choose from over a dozen seasonings that they have, and lunch, dinner is done by the time you check out. So Deerberg's really does make it simple. It is delicious, and it is ready in minutes. And I don't know about you, but I don't think it gets any better than that. So find Deerberg's near you and have them do all the work. Joe Hart, Chief Medical Officer with United Healthcare, is in studio today. What an honor. And we're going to get through what we call our medical news roundup. But first, we we're just chatting off air. And the Medical Society recently gave you a pretty cool award. It was a pretty good honor. I was really very honored to receive it. It's called the, uh, the Schluter Award. And essentially, it's like a Lifetime Achievement Award, although I don't think I've got done with my lifetime. I've got a long ways to go. I, I think you do, but still, that says so much. Congratulations. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it, to get it from your peers is, is what's, what I thought was really very cool. And the society's been around for 187 years, and this is the 21st time they've given out this award. Wow. Is, is it a St. Louis thing? Is it's it a regional? Saint, it's the St. Louis Metropolitan Medical Society. So it's a combination of St. Louis. There used to be two medical societies, the St. Louis City and then the, the surrounding areas, and they merged many years ago. So it's the oh, compass hey, imagine that. Yeah, Merging a merger. The the county. <laughs> so did you give a speech? I had a speech. Did you remember to thank your wife? I, I did because last time I got some things, I thanked him at the end uh-huh. and discovered I better thank him at the very did beginning. You, yeah. Did you thank the radio show you're on? <laughs> Absolutely. Every yeah. week. That was right after his wife. <laughs> before his kids. And before my yeah. kids. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course. Well, we are so um, proud to have you be a part of this show. Well, it's my pleasure to be with you guys. So let's start with what could be a game changer, at least in my mind, a new treatment for melanoma. What do we know? Uh, about it at this point. It's really exciting because we've had a medication for blood cancer, so leukemia is called CAR-T for about 10 years, and that's using gene therapy and, and some really exciting stuff there. But about 90% of cancers are solid tumors, so they this wouldn't have any effect on that. So this is the first treatment that's been approved for solid tumors. And so when we say treatment, the tumor would still have to be cut out and then there's some sort of medication or? Not necessarily. What they do with this treatment is, and it's on melanomas, which are skin cancers. Yes. This one's from proof for They take some cells out of the tumor itself. Okay. So some T lymphocyte cells, uh, but tumor fighting cells. And then they kind of do the $6 million man treatment on it. They make it bigger, faster, stronger, better than before. 
and multiply those cells and then inject those back into the body. So now you have these super tumor killers specific for that individual and that particular cancer. And then that goes through the system and can actually destroy all the cancer, no matter where it's spread in the body, because these this cells are going huge. everywhere. It has the potential to be a total game changer for cancer. Is yeah. this something that came about from that CRISPR thing that we have seen? It's the same kind of thing. It is a gene therapy, and it's a specific gene therapy. It's a little bit different than CRISPR, where you're, you're replacing genetic code within the body itself. This one, you're actually giving them back tumor-killing cells that the body makes itself but more specific to that particular tumor. And would this be something that somebody is taking a pill, they're still going to go in, and it's going to be like a chemotherapy kind of thing? It's a combination of that. It's at least 22 days in the hospital, minimum, and maybe more. Basically, you have to take cells out of the body, then grow them outside the body. Uh, In the meantime, when you're getting ready to, to put it back in, you have to have them come into the hospital again and kill off most of their cells. So you make them very immunocompromised, just like you do with chemotherapy. You destroy all the cells. And then you inject these new cells back into them. So it's a long process, minimum of 22 days in the hospital, uh, potentially more. And there's a lot of risks with it because when you are destroying the body's immunity, when you make someone immunocompromised, there's a lot of risks for other things that can happen. And I'm assuming at some point this is going to be crazy expensive, but will insurance hopefully cover it? You know, it's brand new. It just got approved. So I think there's a lot of testing that has to happen, a lot of things. But the company itself is pricing it at, for the therapy, it's $515,000. Uh, but that doesn't count all the, the hospitalizations, all the other things you have to do to prepare the body. So my guess is it's going to be at least double to triple that. Help me try to understand uh, something medically, Dr. Johar. A virus is something that gets into your body and tries to kill you or, or tries to spread and, you know, it and work its way. It's trying to do stuff. Well, it's to trying you. to replicate in the body and it uses you as a host to do it. Right. Uh, cancer, uh, from everything that I can understand about it, is just a mutated cell that just happens to multiply and triple and, and just like you said, duplicate itself until all of your other cells are gone and it's the only one left. Exactly. Cancer almost seems like a mistake in the body, whereas the virus is trying to actually kill you. That's that's actually a really way, good way to look at it. Yeah, it's the something breaks down in the body. So would it be, if we could figure out a way, would it be easier to treat cancer um, as a mistake rather than trying to treat a virus which is actively trying to work against you? It's a really interesting philosophical point. I, I would, off the top of my head, say yes, because a virus is mutating and trying to change. Cancer is just trying to replicate. Right. Yeah. So I think once you could figure out what that trigger is or stop it from replicating. Just turn it off and then it's done. And that's kind of what this is trying to do. Well, hmm. if only it were that easy with all cancers, but this is super exciting. Something else that I think is exciting and this is not a replacement for EpiPen, but there is a new allergy medication. That's what I thought when I first read about it. But actually, this medication has been around since 2003. So it's been used in the past for treating allergic asthma. But now oh. they figured out that this can actually work for allergies. So, so the medication isn't new. It just now has a new purpose. Correct. It's got a new treatment, a new purpose, a new dosage of way to do it. Um, and it's really exciting because it has the potential, it's, it doesn't replace an EpiPen, it doesn't replace uh, avoiding the allergy yes. in the first place. But this is something that's really good for, say, a, a child that has a really severe peanut allergy. And as a parent or as a child, you can't always be certain that you're not going to be around peanuts. Mm-hmm. Um, 
things of that sort. So what this is, is if you know you've got a documented peanut allergy, you have a risk of being exposed to it again. You can take this mission and you will still have an allergic reaction potentially, but if you do, it's going to be very, very mild as opposed to an anaphylactics. Deadly. We know that in the studies, about 17% of people did not have any effect from the medication. So one out of five will still have that severe allergic reaction. So you have to always be careful about avoiding the allergen or having an EpiPen in those cases. But about 56% of people did really well with it and were able to get a dose. Um, the dose they used to check someone with a peanut allergy was uh, 2.5 peanuts. Uh, so if they could handle alone, two and a yeah. half peanuts and be okay, that was considered a success. But you see how little exposure you need to get an anaphylactic reaction. Yeah, that is honestly scary, especially if you have a child and try to teach them what it looks like and send them over for a, a sleepover and not knowing what's in that cupboard and they're going to get into. It's, it's all kinds of things. And, and a lot of people don't know. My, my future son-in-law actually had a reaction to a shellfish, but he didn't have the shellfish. It was just they, the, at the restaurant used the same pot that oh. they had just cooked shellfish oh. in and then cooked his meal. And that alone. And how bad was it? His was not bad, because, but uh, the panicked phone call I got from... I from bet it was. was not yeah. fun. Right. So yeah. we were able to tell him some over-the-counter things to get right away and, and to make sure that. And, and after that, he's got an EpiPen with him all the time. Now does your future son-in-law kind of owe you his... I, I plan to, yeah. to make sure he does, but... You know. I would, too. Uh, you've been practicing medicine for how long? Uh, I think I went to class with Hippocrates. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Uh, but you've, you just won the Lifetime Achievement Award, um, yeah. but you've got plenty of years ahead of you. When you look at things like what we saw with this melanoma, when you look at what, what you're talking about here with these allergy things, are you amazed at how far we've come or have we been just, you know, step by step? getting better and better. I, I think we don't realize how far we've come because we just see the step-by-step things. Mm-hmm. We see the little things that have happened. But if you look back even even 50 years ago um, or less, the things that we've achieved are just incredible. Yeah. You know, um, even simple things that we don't even think about. Um, the President Kennedy had a, a child that died from prematurity. Well, that child was 35 weeks, I think, or 34 weeks. Which now with the technology, we wouldn't even think of that as a premature baby. We're like, okay, well, they'll yeah. be here a couple of days. That's it. But because of the research that that spurred, now we can go almost down to 25, 26 weeks to keep somebody alive. So things like that. Um, I was actually watching the last 10 minutes of Love Story. And spoil alert for anybody. Yeah. Bad stuff happens <laughs> at the oh, end. No. Yeah. <laughs> but uh. then I, of course, got Googling like, okay, what did she die of? What happened here? And- that's something that we could treat now. Yeah. You know, it's oh, the stuff that we, that you see. Don't that, tell Ryan yeah. O'Neill that. Oh, mm. well, oh. not period. Not anymore. Yeah. yeah. It is. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, I've shared this before as well, but Marsha has a particular kind of blood cancer that 10 years ago probably would have killed her. Now she is on spry cell. She takes it every day and she is living a, a happy, healthy life. But those, you know, and I think we can't, you know, reiterate enough how much or how important research is. And you don't know whose life that is going to save in the future. And, and that's what, what bothers me about so much of what we've seen recently in, in the last few years. You know, research is so critically important. Mm-hmm. You don't know where it's going to lead. You follow what science shows you. And you go from there, and the, then you make advances. 
and to just ignore science and say this isn't important. I mean, like we're doing with, with vaccines. Now there's a big measles outbreak in Florida. That's because 11 percent of the population in that school doesn't hasn't received measles vaccine. 11 percent in That's one a big school percentage. It's I, huge. I would but, love to see the the demographics of of that school district or the kids that go to that school just to say who are who are these people well it, it's scary because i think um you know a lot of the different we're seeing an, uh, outbreaks of smallpox again now because people aren't getting vaccinated He's, okay so people don't trust uh, the covid vaccine or whatever do they still anti-vaxxers long before there was the COVID vaccine. Do they still trust the measles? Do they pick and choose which vaccines they trust and which ones they don't? Some don't trust any vaccines at all. Some are picking and choosing. Um, You know, I, I, I don't understand. I mean, there's... There's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of misinformation. Misinformation, yes. Um, And, you know, the, the way we have communicating now, being able to get things out so fast and so broad to everybody, I think just spurs it on. I, um, and that's why, you know, in, in medicine, we stick with the science. And, you know, uh, I know he's controversial. I don't know why, but uh, Dr. Fauci, that's what he said. We actually had a, a meeting with him once and, and he people asked him that. It's like, how do you do this? I mean, how do you deal with all the different presidents, with all the different political views? And, and, and you've served under mm-hmm. seven presidents. And he said, all you can do is just stick straight, straight to the science, stick to the facts and just go from there and let this let the science lead you, and that's I think what all of us have tried to do. Yeah. We we try to learn, and science changes. I mean, our knowledge changes as we go. Well, we are so grateful to you, Dr. Ravi Johar, Chief Medical Officer with United Healthcare and Lifetime Achievement <laughs> Award winner. Thank you so much for uh, joining us once again. It's great to be with you as a person, especially. There are new claims about an FBI informant accused of lying about Hunter Biden. Devlin Barrett is a national security and law enforcement reporter for The Washington Post, and he joins us with his insights. Thanks for joining us. Sure. Thanks for having me. So prosecutors claim this informant has significant ties to Russian intelligence. What do we know at this point? So we know that prosecutors have already charged this guy, Alexander Smirnov, with uh, lying about alleged corruption by Hunter Biden and his father relating to Ukraine. Now there's a, there's more recent fi- court filings that say that this informant Smirnov told the FBI that he had Russian intelligence contacts and, and pretty extensive Russian intelligence contacts, and they played a role in some of the lies he told about Hunter Biden. Now the really important thing to remember in all this is that this is still just coming from the mouth of a guy who's mm. charged with lying. So there's a, this, there's a, this is a hall of mirrors when you get into some of this counterintelligence work. And this guy has, has bit, really, really uh, told a number of tall tales at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, these claims about Hunter Biden and President Biden not only maybe are false, but could be a Russian-inspired smear campaign. Right, exactly. And, and that's the concern that, that investigators have. You know, one of the things the FBI tries very hard to do is understand the nature and types of disinformation that Russia tries to put out in the world. And so this sort of falls into that category of the types of things they worry about, these types of allegations not, not based in reality, according to the indictment. And so this is, of, this is definitely of concern to authorities. 
Was there any other information out there about Burisma, uh, bribes, this and that, or did it just come from this guy? Because wasn't Joe Biden's brother on Capitol Hill today to testify about all of this? And if this guy was a liar and a Russian plant, shouldn't they have canceled the meeting? So there's a larger the, – the, the way I would describe it is – this guy's claims ended up being the central accusation, the central uh, accusation, I should say, against both Hunter Biden and, by extension, his family. Now, around that, there have been a whole bunch of questions and sort of what I would call lesser accusations or questions raised about the business deals that Hunter Biden did, for example, with, with people in China or in other countries including the uncle, Jimmy Biden. So there are ongoing questions that certainly Republican lawmakers have about the issues. But what's really important about this guy and this set of accusations is this was the most damaging and potentially important accusation made against Hunter Biden as it relates to Burisma and that whole business. And now it seems to have fallen apart like a house of cards. So it was kind of like this is what opened Pandora's box, and now we're just trying to follow all the lines. Right. And, and, and look, one of the challenges is, and, and this has been known for years now, there's a lot of nonsense, and I'm using the polite radio word for it, that comes out of Ukraine and Russian politics and, and sort of the, the, the ill will that exists between the people in those countries, political leaders in those mm. countries. And, and U.S. officials have spent a long time trying to sort of wade through that nonsense. And, and this just shows you how deep up to the knees and maybe even up to the elbows, the U.S. intelligence agencies are in trying to sort out all this mess because it's now affecting U.S. politics. So is this guy a Russian agent or a useful idiot? And how did he get caught? So I think <laughs> I think the answer may actually be all of the above. But, the, but to be honest, there's still things we don't know about this guy that would help us answer that question. I think this guy was a useful informant for the FBI for a significant period of time. But ultimately, whether he was right or had any like real information or any real relationships in the Russia space or the Ukraine space, I think is very much an open question. And his track record ain't great. Most of what he said, according to the FBI, on this subject was lies. So the idea that you know he, he may be the super connected person, I'll be honest, I think most cops would say, like, well, if a person lies to me nine times, I'm not so certain I'm going to believe the 10th thing they tell me. Yeah. And so that's sort of the situation we're in with this guy right now. We're talking to Devlin Baird, a uh, national security and law enforcement reporter for The Washington Post. Are we talking about 2020 here? Or are there still things being said and done spreading misinformation in 2024? It's really both. So the, the key that the thing that the Republicans on um, on Capitol Hill got so worked up about last year was allegations that this guy raised to the FBI in 2020. But the current the, the charging documents show that he has kept saying similar things and making the same type of allegations against the Bidens up as recently as December of last year. And and the point prosecutors are making in seeking to have him stay in jail and not get out while he waits trial is this guy, according to them, is engaged in an ongoing disinformation campaign related to the 2024 election. And that's part of the reason why they want him locked up 
Um, to be honest, another part of the reason is he's got millions of dollars, they say, and he's got foreign citizenship. So they're a little worried that if, if he if he's really let out, you know, they may never see him again. Yeah. All right. Devlin Barrett, thank you so much for your insight. Thank you both. Is your IRS tax debt making you feel anxious? The professionals at Allies Tax Relief are ready to negotiate your fresh start. Call them now at 800-230-5174. Tax Talk with Straight Talk. You give and you give. This tax season, you get with Straight Talk Wireless. You get a reliable 5G network and unlimited data and a... Our headlines for this Wednesday afternoon, February 21st, Gateway Geyser to close may mean Gateway Arch Park expansion. It was called the tallest water fountain in the nation. It's closing down after nearly 30 years in operation, according to a release from the Metro East Park and Rec District and Gateway Center of Metro St. Louis. The fountain, which is located in Malcolm W. Martin Memorial Park in East St. Louis, was created in 1995 by the park's namesake. Martin was a St. Louis native and a lawyer who created the park in hopes of connecting the Jefferson National Expansion Memorial, known as Gateway Arch National Park, into Illinois. The Gateway Geyser was designed to mirror the height of the Gateway Arch, reaching up to 630 feet in the air, making it the tallest water fountain in the United States and third tallest in the world. It is? Yeah. How have we not known that? Well, some of us did. Uh, let me guess. Yep. Hey, Heidi. Yep. <laughs> I was at uh, uh, Bush Stadium, the new one. Yeah. And I'm walking in the top concourse, and I see this thing in the distance, and I said, what the heck is that? Gateway you can, geyser. You can see, like, the geyser. I had to go to the edge and look over and say, when the it heck did that It would shoot off on certain hours. But it's been doing it since, yeah, 1995 is when it they built it. How long has that been there? I guess I'm just not that observant. Sports betting has reached a record almost one uh, eleven billion dollars short of them ten billion. Eleven billion dollars in twenty twenty three revenue, a forty four percent increase year over year from twenty twenty two. Now of course reasons for that is because Kentucky, Maine, Massachusetts, Nebraska, and Ohio were all new legal betting states in twenty twenty three. But it is just getting hotter and hotter every year. Ohio, by the way, quickly has established itself as a hotbed, ranking fourth highest earning state in the country when it comes wow. to sports gambling, coming in with almost a billion dollars on their own. New York is number one with one and a half billion. New Jersey comes in two. And Illinois, number three on the list. Mm. Is California... A sports gambling legal state? I thought it was, but... We're yeah. only one of 13 that are yeah, not. Yeah, there's not that many left. I can't imagine that they wouldn't be just from sheer volume of people. Texas? Texas I don't know about Texas. It, right, no? You have to I'm, Google I gotta it. look it up. Self-surrounding to close all remaining stores amid bankruptcy. The St. Louis-based retailer that sells women's clothes, beauty products, gifts, and home decor will close its remaining brick-and-mortar stores by the end of the month. Closures are part of the plan announced when the retailer's parent, Soft Surroundings Holdings, LLC, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in September. Soft Surroundings has one local store. It's at the Boulevard in Richmond Heights, which will close February 27th. 
Boulevard in Richmond Heights. Right across from the Galleria. You know, I don't count that as Richmond Heights. What do you count it as? I don't know. Brentwood? The Boulevard at Brentwood? I would have called that Brentwood. Uh, And California, not a sports gambling state. Texas, not a sports gambling state. Are you sure California's not? Do you see it on here? I thought I I see it. Do you see it? I don't see it. I said, where's gambling legal in the state? One of the states is California. What did you say? Uh, States with legal sports betting. And what's the date? Gambling. They have casinos in California, but they don't necessarily have sports betting. Well, we have gambling we in have Missouri. We don't, we don't have. So sports you said, betting. where is sports betting legal? Yeah, I, I don't. Did, yes. I don't see Missouri on this list. So, <laughs> <laughs> what, what list Here's is that? that? Button that says "Show me more" at the bottom. <laughs> Actually, I already did. The oh, show me show West me now. Yeah. <laughs> um, we all knew this was going to happen. This is why sometimes we just hate everything. The Chaco Taco which we all talked about, was going away in 2022. The summer of 2022. Simpler time, remember? <laughs> we were all just... Our only worry in the world was the Choco Taco was going away. Oh, yeah, and COVID. Um, the Choco Taco is coming back, which I think we also all predicted was going to happen. You know, sometimes absence makes the heart grow fonder. No, a- absence makes the price get higher. Okay. Or <laughs> We can sell more if we just pull it off the shelves, uh, a la the McRib. Taco Bell is working with an ice cream company in Oregon, and they're bringing back a Choco Taco. So, no one. Well, maybe, yeah, you're you're the reason why they went away. No. And so am I, because I don't eat them either. You don't like ice cream. Right. You know, if you are in the market for just about anything, whether it is redoing a bathroom, if you're looking for a roofer, an HVAC uh, system, you really want to make sure that you are finding a trustworthy, reliable business to work with. And when you are looking for that, look no further than the Better Business Bureau. I mean, the BBB is there to help all of us consumers and to find a business that you can trust. And they do that by providing valid reviews, ratings, and accreditation. It's not just, you know, like Yelp, where anybody can go on there and complain about anything, or, you know, maybe it's someone within the company writing something. No, the Better Business Bureau really vets all of this. And in using the Better Business Bureau, you can be sure that the business that you choose does have a proven track record of providing excellent customer service. And it also adheres to a high ethical standard. So just my recommendation, I wouldn't take a chance with your money and just call anybody when you Google a specific service, whether that be for roofing or for HVAC or for even lawn care service, I would make sure that you make an informed decision and you look for that BBB seal because it really is the sign of a better business. And you can learn more. Go to BBB.org. You can also call the Better Business uh, Bureau, 314-645-3300. Coming up, we'll talk about some of those home improvement projects with Lauren Risley.
something to talk about when it comes to homes. Lauren Risley, founder of Lauren Risley Realty, is a wealth of knowledge. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. So St. Louis was once known as Brick City, having some of the richest clay deposits in the United States on the eastern side of the state. Some of the brick is beautiful, some of it less appealing. So that had me wondering, if we love the house but just can't stand the brick, what kind of options do we have? Yeah, I mean, the the nice thing is you have options, right? So you're right, you know. You and I both live in very older homes, 130 years old, Um, you know, so that brick is going to have some wear and tear. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing that plays a role in how well brick looks cosmetically is how well that house has been maintained. So for anyone listening that has a brick home, you should have a tuck pointer. Um, That's someone that specifically works with brick and stone, Um, the mortar, the, the, Stuff that you see in between the bricks, that's mortar, and that's what tuck pointers work with. Um, you want to make sure that that stays in really good condition. And I'd say probably every eight years, you should have your house spot tuck pointed. Um, and for houses that have never had it done, you know, they actually grind out the mortar and redo it. But that's how you keep older homes looking really nice on the outside. Yeah. Now, your question is, what about the ones that didn't do that, right? Mm-hmm. Love the house, open floor plan main floor master, everything's wonderful, but ugh, it just looks so bad, right? Yeah. It's usually because they've had different people tuck pointing, different color mortars. Uh, some bricks are popping out. It just looks like a mess. And that's typically when we see people painting the brick um, to make it look more uniform. And when you paint, what does maintenance look like? Is it something that you then have to touch up every five years? Is it something that lasts longer than that? You know, I think... You know, especially here in St. Louis, like we see the most wear and tear on like the north and west side of a house. And so I think that side, right, whatever Mm -hmm. is more exposed to the elements is going to need a little bit more maintenance than the rest of the house. Um, Depending on what color you paint it, if it's in full sun, you know, just, you know, it fading, the color fading. Um, So I'd say probably, I think it would probably, if you you did it right, I think it would probably last eight to 10 years. I think there might be some miscellaneous touch-ups, but um, my guess is there's probably some sort of clear coat product that you could put over it to kind of like seal it. Um, So the key to anything, right, being preserved is doing it right. Yeah. You know? Is whitewashing the same as painting it, or that's a whole nother process? I love me some whitewash, Heidi. Okay. (laughs) So what they do with whitewash is they'll take, you know, white paint, um, and paint t- paint a house, and then they'll take acid wash or like an acetone and spray the white so that some of it comes off yeah. and you can see that brick underneath. Wait, now, wait you a can minute. Whitewash, you can whitewash with color as well. So you oh, do you a can. Wash. Oh, okay. Yeah. All you're doing is we call it whitewash because that's typically what we see. And if you have white, the red pops a little bit more underneath. But really, you're taking any color, painting it over brick, and then basically scraping, peeling, you know, spraying some of it off. I have seen houses that look white, but when you look at them, they, they kind of look pink because there's a little pink that pops through on the brick as well. Is that whitewash? Well, and it probably looks pink because it's such a contrast. You know, it, it could even be the mortar. So, like, if you take a look at brick that's red, 
if you actually put your hand over the brick and you look at the mortar, it's really not red. It's like almost a pinkish kind of color. Mm -hmm. um, and there's different color mortars too. They dye mortar to make it different colors. But I think that's probably more of what you're seeing come through. It doesn't actually change the color of the brick because the whitewash process is just literally putting paint on and taking it off. Okay, now this is a personal question because my basement is not finished, at least part of it is not, and there are brick columns, and a lot of that mortar is kind of coming out of that. Do we need to tuck point the interior if we have mm. exposed brick? Yes, <laughs> yes. And Heidi, those are holding your house up, so yes, you should definitely <laughs> oh boy. Get on that. have those done. Okay. Those those in your basement are original kind of structural pieces um, that, that are holding your house up. Now, I know what you're talking about. That's much more dense than like a wood post that we would see. Right. So the mortar being, it's, it's 10 times stronger than that. So mortar breaking away, your house isn't going to fall. But yes, that's, that's definitely a situation where I would have it tuck pointed. Um, my front porch has like little brick whatchamacallits, right? Yeah, I like whatchamacallits. <laughs> That's just the overall. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And they're just, they're cosmetic. They're not holding anything up. They have like a stone top. Um, but I had to have those tuck pointed because it's brick. It still has the wear and tear. And for it to hold its integrity, it needs to have that glue, if you will. Yeah. I'm running the risk of asking a really dumb question here. Oh, boy. Uh, these two, Connor and Heidi, in the office earlier today said that I was a moron. Uh, no, we did Ouch. not. We Ouch. did not. That's not true. But let me ask you this. I've been around you guys for a while. I can't imagine they called you that. Uh -uh. You've also, seen I can't every... never imagine you asking a stupid question. Exactly. You've seen everything, and we are astonished these days when we realize in some of these old houses that when we pull up the carpet, that there's beautiful hardwood floor underneath. Why would someone ever put carpet on top of a beautiful hardwood floor? Have you ever seen anyone <clears throat> debrick their house or <laughs> put maybe siding on top of brick? I've never seen anyone debrick their house unless they have to for structural reasons. So in older homes, um, usually there's two layers of brick, if not three or four. And so when they start bowing or when there's something structurally compromised, for you to flatten that out on the exterior of the house, you actually have to remove layers of brick. So that's the only de-bricking that I've seen. Um, you know, putting siding over brick, the brick would have to be in pretty bad shape because you'd have to essentially frame the exterior of the house to have something to attach the siding to. Yeah. Right? And you'd have to have some sort of moisture barrier um, so that water is just not trapped in between that. So, I mean, if, you know, if, if an exterior of a house is that bad, I can imagine someone doing that, but it's not something that I've seen. Mm -hmm. Got you. Now, yeah, so, you so did... the answer is yes, I I'm, I'm a moron. <laughs> no, the answer is that's a great question. I don't oh, know. Well, thank you. Somebody yeah. is saying, can I still paint or whitewash a half brick exterior? So I'm assuming the rest of it is maybe siding and it's you've got some brick. I mean, you could match that to the siding, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, of course, of course. Or siding is always easy to, to change out. But, yeah, I mean, here, here's my thing, though. And, you know, we work with a ton of buyers and we love it because it also helps us educate our sellers, right? Mm -hmm. So I always think it's funny when real estate agents are like, well, I only work with sellers. And I'm like, great then you have no idea what buyers want. So you have no idea how to advise your seller on what they're looking for, you know? Yeah. 
So like we love working with buyers because they give us so much insight on how we can help coach our sellers to, you know, present their house in the best possible way. Um, so, I mean, yes, you could, you could do the siding and the whitewash. Um, but if your brick's in good condition, we typically hear buyers go, ah, oh, why did they paint that? Yeah. <laughs> so if it's in good condition, it's so difficult. We've had buyers when we're asking for your must haves, I must have a brick house. And so like, that is a big selling point. So unless it's in really bad condition, I, w- I would refrain from doing it. Right. All right, Lauren, I saw an article that said that inventory is low. And one of the reasons why um, Generation Z, the millennials, aren't able to find houses right now is because baby boomers have decided to stay put. Now, I guess when you get older, you retire and downsize and move to a condo or or whatever. But it says that baby boomers are staying put in their houses which is keeping inventory from hitting the market. Uh, so I've, I think I may have mentioned this before. The news is just silly to me. Like sometimes I feel like they're like, oh, shoot, we ran out of things to report on. Like what, <laughs> what can we say? Like what can we do? You might have a because, point. Because here's the reality. Like, well, why do baby boomers, right? Why do they downsize or why do they move? Like usually because like unfortunately sometimes they get sick. They need assisted living or something like that. They move in with a family member. Sometimes they can't do two-story anymore, so they, they can't do the stairs. So, like, those health factors are always going to come into play. So we're talking about the baby boomers that, what do they call it, live in the blue zone, that, like, their bodies, if you haven't heard of that, it's a cool thing I just found yeah, out about. I've never heard of that, yeah. <laughs> live in the blue zone. It's like they're, like, the healthiest species. Anyways, I digress for sure, but that health issue is always going to be there. So you know, baby boomers are going to have a reason to want to leave. Now, with interest rates being higher, I can see why someone may not want to lose their 2.5% interest to to buy something at 6.5%. I can understand that. Um, so I think there's a small population of that. But, but here's the thing, like millennials, you know, people in their 20s, mid-20s, I, I bought my first house at 19. Like that was, that was the goal, right? It was like, I want to buy a house. Like, I think there used to be this mindset that like the sooner you buy a house, like the more successful you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that mindset has changed. I think that millennials especially are more transient. Like, you know, they don't want to be held down if they get a job offer somewhere else, or if they work from home, that means they can travel a lot more often. And so they don't want the responsibility of homeownership. And so we're actually seeing a lot more people in their 20s wanting to rent and putting off home ownership till a later age. So I think with baby boomers staying and millennials maybe renting longer, it almost becomes a wash. And that, in my opinion, only. Yeah. Mm. Uh, back to the half brick wall real quickly before we let you go. Somebody said, maybe I didn't phrase it right. The wall has a thickness equal to the combined length of a full brick. And then I guess maybe it's a thinner brick halfway up can you still paint or whitewash that yeah so the thinner brick sure i mean you can white so if if you, the the act of whitewashing is and i'm and trying to simplify it is literally taking white paint painting it and then you're almost you're almost taking like just just for for imaginary purposes 
taking sandpaper and sanding some of that white off so that the the brick shows through. Got you. So, so it's, it's not, not like you're yeah shaking the foundation. No, 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 no. It's simply cosmetic. So, and when I say acid tone, um, it's just it's it's a way to take some of the color off. So they almost do like a power sprayer so that it happens, um, you know, over the whole wall. But it's it's uniform, but it's not. I don't know. I, I, I think we got it cleared up now as yeah. far as that goes. So the thickness wouldn't matter. I think you could whitewash any kind of brick because you're really just painting it and then taking some of it off. Yeah, and it really is a, a cool look in my opinion. Well, if you're in the market to buy or sell a home or if you just have a question because – Knowledge is power. Call Lauren Risley Realty, 314-775-0684. You can also email her, hello at com. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. Of course. And real quick, for that that listener that's asking, yeah, you know, we had talked about, like, once you paint brick, that's a done deal. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're not, not going back. You're not going back, right? So the whitewash will take off some of it. If it's something you're considering doing, I would go to, like, a floor and decor or a Home Depot, and they actually have brick, uh, like tile, uh-huh. right? It's like faux brick, but it's still that brick consistency. I would get like three or f- I'd get four sheets of that for you know eighty bucks, and then whitewash that to see how you like the look of it, and to make sure you know what you're doing. Oh, that's a good idea. Or you do it on your full house. Good, good tip, Lauren Risley. Thank you. Of course. I'll see you next week. All right. Somebody said my kids will be getting my house. They grew up here and are all want to live here. It's an old, beautiful house close to Main Street, St. Charles. Somebody else, as a boomer, I always want to apologize for not giving uh, Millennial my house. <laughs> and you should, <laughs> sir. Don't feel guilty. <laughs> ever done this because i certainly have you drop your phone in the swimming pool maybe you've dropped it in the washer maybe you've dropped it in the sink full of dishes what i'm saying is you have waterlogged your phone at some point i had a four-year-old not mine Mm-hmm. Throw my phone in a pool. Yeah. Well, obviously, mixing water with electronics is bad. But I have done what I thought I was supposed to do and then get that bag of rice, put the phone oh, yeah. in that bag of rice because apparently it's supposed to magically take the moisture. It, it sucks the water. Out of the phone. So but wait, that's just a... It's, is that what this is about? It doesn't actually do anything. It does not. Oh, yeah. and then now you've got rice. cooked rice and <laughs> it's, a dry... It's, <laughs> it's not cooked. Why is it, nice. yeah, why is it cooked? It's nice dry... puffed rice. Were you using cooked rice? <laughs> no, it's, it's dry rice, but Apple is now warning people not to put your waterlogged well, iPhones... That doesn't work. ...in uncooked <laughs> rice. The small particles of rice... Could actually damage your iPhone. How does this even become a thing then? Who decides to go online and so say, think here's it, a I way? I think they said it helped because you would just leave your phone alone for like a couple hours, right? Yeah, while it's right? off. And then the yeah. water just dried on its own. Like yeah, except so, why did – but they, there the used rice? to be places yeah, that would know. say, put it in a bag of 
rice. I mean, I yeah. did it more than once. So here are the things not to do, the things to do. iPhones are more so- sophisticated than they've ever been. Some can actually handle certain levels of water. I will say I dropped mine the other day in a puddle and quickly grabbed it and, you know, shook it off and it's fine. Some of them even have a liquid detection warning that tells you if your USB-C port gets wet. So here's the things that you can do. Dry the phone off with a cloth. Tap the phone gently to make sure there's no water in the port. Mm. And then leave the phone in a dry area with airflow and avoid putting the cables in the ports while it's drying. Make sure it is completely dry. But they say do not insert a foreign object like a cotton swab, a paper towel into the connector. Don't put your iPhone in that bag of rice. I also have read, it's not in this article, do not try to dry it with a hair dryer. Just leave it sit. Don't touch it. And hope for the best. And hope for the best. They make these products that you can buy at Schnars. That if your basement floods, you put it down there and it sucks the moisture out of the air. Dehumidifier? Well, I mean, that's a thing. I'm talking about like a bucket where you rip the lid off and it like supposed to suck the water out of the air. Kitty litter. They say if your basement floods and, and you mop most of it up just to get all the excess moisture, you throw some kitty litter down there. Uh uh-uh. uh. And and that's supposed Hold to. Hold on, who's saying that? I feel like we're going right back <laughs> well, to the it's rice really absorbent, analogy, right? Yeah, it's absorbent, you know, yeah. and it's supposed to take the moisture out of the air. There's things. Wouldn't it be that... better to have just a wet back than throw kitty litter? Well, I'm everywhere? not talking about like with the standing water. You know, you you get as much up as you can, but there's still wet carpet, moisture, this that, and apparently you put these things down there, and it's supposed to. Connor, will you Google what this thing suck is? Suck the moisture out of the air. I bought one for my car. You're supposed to hang it up, and it you know, it changes colors when it gets the moisture out. So Just, is this real, though? I was going to say, or is this actually like buying do a, anything? a mood ring? And I say schnars, by the way, just because I think most hardware stores have these things. But is, is anyone else out there I, aware of what I'm talking about? Damp rid? Is that... Did I come up? Did I make that up by myself? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, here we go. Damp rid. Damp rid moisture absorber. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I did remember it. Damp rid. It's a thing, I guess. And it's. But I, I don't know how well. I don't know how well it works. Here, show her the little bucket. This is the bucket I'm talking about. It's. Uh, oh, that's the hanging. That's the mirror. There's. It's a little. Bucket. It's a bucket. Yeah, I would like to hear from the people. And you peel yeah. the 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 plastic what is this, off the what top. What is it supposed to do, John? If you're if there's a lot of moisture in your basement, yeah. you put it down there, and it and does it work? I I don't know. People are saying well, you said you have one. I yeah, but it's like you know the the baking soda in your fridge. Does that actually get the the stink out? I of would your say fridge? it does. Well, yeah. then why wouldn't damper it work? Uh, well, it's water, not a odor. Well, but people are saying damp rid. Somebody else said it's called a dehumidifier. Right. Calcium chloride will do it. Somebody else from the 618 says. Uh, so the new iPhones are, they claim to be able to be uh, water resistant up to six meters deep for 30 minutes. 
That's pretty impressive. So that's their that's their claim. So I think if you drop it in a puddle now, you can kind of just wipe it off and and keep going. When this kid threw my phone in the pool, uh, it still worked. Yeah. So you know, if you if you've got a a watch that you can dive down. In in water, why can't you have a phone that? Okay, that also can somebody from three one four. I put damper in every area of my camper on the off season, and put in my boat compartment. Works wonderful, pulls the moisture out. Thank you. Uh, set your phone on a dehumidifier. That helps. Damp aid works well. Removes the mildew spill smell. Uh, my mechanic said to use kitty litter to soak up oil spots on the garage floor. It doesn't take up the stain, but it gets the Sticky. Wet. Yeah, I've Out. done that before. Damperid works. It sucks up the moisture. Some u- people use a damper when they travel out of the country and they put them in their uh, resort. resort rooms to, to pick, pick up, up the humidity. I, in in a – I mean, you're, if your RV has moisture in it, but – you're like talking about putting it in your hotel room to That's what this person to pull the saying. humidity out of the air from the city that you're in. I, I think that that well, I think if you're on vacation in Mexico, like the humidity is different. And you like I've been there before, and the floor is slick because of the oh, changing yeah. with the air conditioning. Yeah, I think that's it really is probably yeah. what they're oh, talking okay. about. But you're being defended because a lot of people saying damp rid works great. Mm. Right. It's a free plug for Damperid. Yeah. I use it in my basement all the time. Helps with that musty smell. Damperid (laughs) Jr. Now for your car. (laughs) Yeah. I guess they say it collects kind of like all of those little, which we were talking about, the little gel or the silica packs that are in. Oh, that they put in your shoes. Or in your pills or your vitamins, uh, prescription drugs. So it may take a while, but it does work. Hmm. Helps get rid of musty smells. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Damp red. Um, I want to tell you about your taxes. Mm. And I hate to break it to you. It's getting close, isn't it? It is. It is. What? March is like a week away almost. So crazy. Well, it's a it's a leap year, so you got an extra day of February. You got an extra day to do your taxes. How about that? But they're still coming nonetheless. And who better to do them for you? Then my friend Jeff Zufall, 636. And my friend. And Heidi's friend, Jeff Zufall, and my parents' friend. And my sister's friend. <laughs> Jeff Zufall. That's right. What? He's everybody's friend. 636 394 5524. Once we started working with Jeff, he is opening up our eyes to all the things that we can take advantage of in the tax code that's already there that nobody ever told you about. Nobody knocks on your door and says, hey, Heidi, you should be taking advantage of this, that, and the other. They just put it in there, and I guess it's up to us to figure it out. Well, I'm not reading the tax code, but Jeff does. And there's a new thing with Secure Act 2.0 that has to do with student loans, and my wife still has some. So Jeff's going to help us navigate that process as well. He's a wealth advisor. He's a tax planner and a retirement advisor. He does all of it. And one of the best benefits of Jeff doing all of it is that you only have to make one stop. So all your moves can be done in one one shot. Just give him a call, 636-394-5524. Start with your taxes and go from there. Jeff Zufall, Capital Advisory Group, capitaladvisorygrp.com.
man, this statistic is scary to me. Already this year, there have been more than 200 reports of unruly passengers. And now, well, add one more to that list. Alex Stone, ABC News correspondent in L.A., joins us with this latest story. I mean, a man tried to open the exit door? Yeah. And, I mean, you think 200 and we're only a month and 21 days into the year. And uh, already you can add another one onto the, the list. Uh, it was American Airlines Flight 1219. Uh, they they took off out of Albuquerque yesterday. They were heading to Chicago. And passengers on board say that a guy sitting next to a window exit told the, the man sitting next to him, I got to get off this plane, pulled the cover off the emergency exit handle, started working to, to open up the door had some success because they were still low enough and the pressure difference wasn't great enough to make it where you can't open the door. And people on board reacted. They jumped in, pounced on them. This guy was on board telling us there was probably four or five people. And we all managed to kind of uh, rip them off the door, which he was trying to open, and get them into the aisle. And they did get them into the aisle. They tackled them. They held them down. They struggled with Once he was in the aisle, um, I sat on him while some other people held his legs. Other people had his, uh, were holding onto his arms. And then the, the flight attendants brought the group duct tape and zip ties, and they duct taped his legs together, zip tied his hands behind him. Pilots turned the plane around and made an emergency landing back in Albuquerque. But the, the passengers say they could feel and hear the pressure difference, and they knew he got the door open a little bit. Blaze Ward. He also jumped on the guy, but, but he says that he knew they were in danger. You could hear the actual difference in pressure. There was a whistling. And so we got him. We got him out of his seat. We unbuckled the, the harness, pulled him down onto the, the ground, and that's where we applied the duct tape and uh, flex cuffs. And once on the ground, Albuquerque police, they boarded, got the guy off. He was restrained already by everybody on board. They handed him over to the FBI. The FBI is now investigating. We're waiting to see if he's going to be charged or not. If they decide that it was a mental health crisis, then uh, in the judicial system, it, it would not go down the road of charges being filed. But, um, yeah, everybody on board, they say that they were shocked that this was happening to them, that somebody was trying to open up that door and that they had to take action, and, and they definitely did. Alex, I feel like after 9-11, we often heard of U.S. Marshals being on board, or maybe maybe they weren't uh, you know, dressed in uniform, but you always thought, oh, there's somebody on here to protect us. Is that a thing anymore? It is on some flights, but you never know when they're going to be on board or not. And, um, yeah, I would guess that maybe certain international flights are probably more common than – you think of how many flights are going every day i think southwest and united and delta and american they each have like four or five thousand flights every day that that take off you add all those together there aren't that many uh marshals that that are available that'd be a a lot of marshals you'd have to have so i mean it's really hit and miss more likely targets of washington dc and uh, other places and international flights but on the, your average domestic flight, maybe you'll be on one with on uh, somebody on there, but, but typically no. Mental health episode, they'll have to make that determination. But are these people who are getting into these fistfights or trying to open doors mid-flight, are they being banned from flying for any period of time? They are. So if it's not mental health, typically the FAA is going to fine them some crazy amount. It's usually like you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars uh, for a, a civil fine, and then you've got the the court case as well, which is usually more money and potential uh, prison time. And then the airline bans them. But there's only that you know we've got the terror watch list, but that doesn't count in this. 
that there is no domestic, and this was an issue with the mask fights during the pandemic, and the airlines want some kind of U.S. list that they would ban. If you get banned on American, that you'd be banned on United and Frontier mm-hmm. and everywhere else. But that doesn't exist. So it's only internal to the airline. Oh. So this guy will probably be banned from American Airlines, but United won't know that American banned him. Because there are privacy laws, the airlines cannot share that information amongst themselves. So the, the airlines have said they would like some kind of domestic list where you put them on there and somebody's not going to get on any U.S. airline, but it doesn't exist. And Alex, how hard is it to open these doors mid-flight? I mean, they, they're the there. Altitude. Yeah. yeah, the altitude that you're at. So if you think the the doors, typically you have to pull them in and then throw them out, um, the the overwing ones. And so when, when not to get too dorky, but as you're going up in altitude, just like a bag of chips or a bottle of water when you're flying and they get huge and mm-hmm. expand, the, the fuselage of the plane is doing the same thing. And so as it pushes out against the, the outside of the plane, you can't pull it back in to then throw it out. But they were only at 15, 20, no higher than 25,000 feet. So the pressure difference wasn't great enough. So with all of his might, he was able to kind of break that seal a tiny bit but not pull it in. But had he been at 35,000 feet, I mean, the way it's been described, the physics of it, even if you were the strongest person in the world or somebody was on meth or any other thing, you would not have the strength to, to pull it in. But at a lower altitude... They want you to be able to pull it in because what if you're on the ground and you're having an emergency? Yeah. And then as as you get higher, physics get involved and, and you no longer can do it. So they're designed not to open at height. Yeah, I mean, just it, it's what happens based on the the, the pressure difference, but it kind of helps at the same time. Because people have from time to time at 35,000 feet tried to open it up, haven't been able to do it. But if they did do it, they would kill everybody on board. Mm. Wow. All right. Alex Stone, thanks for your report. You got it. Thanks, guys. Man, lots of people clocking out. Maybe you clocked out a little early since it's so beautiful. We've got more to discuss, and I hope you'll hang around for it. We've got the top five at five. We've got some entertainment news, and then, and only then, will we wrap this show up with some random. So I hope you'll continue to hang out with us here on the Big 550 KTRS. And now, and now, the, the top, top five, five at five. five. News from around the room. I've got two pretty fun stories. How about this? The eagle eyes of Missouri firefighters saved a trapped bald eagle on Monday. Mid-County Fire Protection District, which is in the Lake of the Ozarks, were dispatched to a helicopter landing to assist with a patient transfer. And there, they saw something unusual. During this response, they noticed a bald eagle in the ditch line. So the units assisted the helicopter in landing and taking off for transport of the patient. And then after the emergency call was wrapped up, the ambulance and the Mid-County Fire Protection District units went back to assist the eagle. Now, of course, the firefighters are more familiar with human beings than birds so they immediately contacted the missouri department of conservation for help the animal was injured and was taken to our station to await the conservation agents the rescue post also included photos of the first responders holding the bald eagle and just these big smiles the missouri department of conservation took the animal into custody and transported the bald eagle to columbia 
for care. So hopefully there'll be a follow-up on that. But not often that you see a bald eagle on the ground. Yeah. We <clears throat> see them out in Newtown. Yeah. I don't want to say regularly, but... I don't care how often you see them. It's still just a majestic oh, sight. I mean, even hawks that you see on the side of the highway. <clears throat> you know, I'm always like, whoa, look at that hawk. Yeah. Um, it's always like a double take. Yeah. But when we uh, had that that real hard freeze, the lakes in Newtown froze over, and I saw a bald eagle in the middle of one of the lakes standing on the ice eating a goose. It was pretty cool. And, I mean. A goose? Wow. Yeah. I don't know that like I want to see that. That feels wow. like yeah. National Geographic. Canadian gooses? Yeah. Well, we want, what's that? Doc- bird on bird violence. Well, you know, they the bald eagle are they're like uh scavengers, aren't they? Didn't Ben Franklin say that he wanted the turkey to be our national symbol? I be- think he did. Uh-huh. Because the bald eagle was a bird of low moral c- character. I, I don't remember that. That <laughs> was that's was what he, he was said. he not just pro turkey? He was anti bald eagle. He was anti bald eagle. He said it was a low moral character bird. Um but uh, I think they're you majestic. And describe tec- a bird that way. Right. Technically out in Newtown, I guess we're fairly close to Alton, kind of in that river, yeah. that river basin area. So we see a lot of bald eagles out there. It's pretty cool. It is cool. I've seen a couple out at my mom and dad's lake house in Cuba. Yeah? Yeah. It's cool. It is cool. Take a picture. I want to see them. All right. Thieves stole... From Home Depot to the tune of more than $100,000 because they were using the self-checkout and they had a barcode swapping scheme going uh. Now, we've talked about the self-checkout. Connor, what did you say the other day? Somebody got, almost got into a fist fight because... Uh, I think in the uh, at a schnooks around here, someone actually pulled a gun. Oh, my gosh. Uh, because I saw they this. were getting you stopped from going to the self checkout because they had too many items. Yes, I didn't. I don't think I fully heard that story, but we have said long said that these self checkouts should be, you know, twelve, twenty four items or less. Uh, they should be monitored by people the whole time, which I think they are. That's the well, there's someone there, right? Um, but these listen to what these thieves were doing. At Home Depots in Florida, 11 different counties over two different years, they were taking $300 buckets of roof sealant and taking the barcodes from $10 floor patch and ringing themselves up. Now, I looked this up on on Home Depot's website. The roof sealant is a five-gallon bucket, and the floor patch is like one gallon. Some of it comes in quartz. Mm-hmm. I always thought that these things were weighted. Yeah, I thought they were too. They always right? freak out it, if you put yeah. if you don't put something in the area. Yeah, it says put the item in the bag. Right. And then if you don't, it says, are you going to put the item in the bag? They won't let me scan the next item until... They I, feel it, I, I thought. I thought they were weighing this, but maybe maybe not. Maybe not all the way. They had this scam going, and it was going well, on for two years. Well, maybe they put something in the bag 
maybe they were doing something. Right. Maybe. Something else that there was already. And they were doing enough shuffling. Yes. That they moved things around and it was detecting it. And the, the scale is the word I'm looking for. The scale wasn't tipped off. And maybe even the person monitoring the self-checkout lanes wasn't tipped off Mm -hmm. by the scam that they were pulling. But they were finally caught. It was three people. They had stolen over $100,000 in roof sealer. Now, what do you do? How do you move that? Do you just go back to the store and return it? I I don't know. Maybe they were roofers. And it was just their way of getting cheaper roof sealer. But um, you know how one way to prevent this from ever happening again have actual people have there. people check people mm-hmm. out again oh, do you think so slow though do you and think we'll I swing th- back well or? it looks like shooks has a little bit with limiting some things mm-hmm. just let me go with my few items and do it myself it takes okay. way less time. I don't have to wait in line. If you walk up with some roof sealer though I'm going to be looking over your shoulder well, I- you know that'd be a first I don't I don't really know what roof sealer I, is. I also think there have to be people willing to do those jobs. I think it's a little bit of both things. It's maybe cost-cutting measures, but there's also hey, a lot of people jobs, who but, yeah. don't want that job. Nobody wanted that job in the first place. Uh, you know, we were ha- trying to find people to to work those jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I don't know. The, the The ongoing saga of the self-checkout rolls on. $100,000 stolen from the Home Depot. Yeah. Mm. Uh, all right. Uh, do, do you remember the cheese roll race? I think I've talked about this before. Yes. They rolled the cheese wheel down this big, tall hill, and they chase after it. Mm-hmm. It's how, in England. How I big, do. How big is the wheel? So it's a regular it's... wheel of cheese. You win the wheel if you win the uh-huh. race. That's all you hold win. it with two hands. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm just setting it up. So England has a lot of these weird races, and I found another one. This one dates back to 1445 when a woman heard church bells ring out, uh, and she had to run from her house to the church, and she forgot to put down her skillet holding pancakes in the skillet. It's the pancake race. They hold it every year now in this town that it happened in for the past (laughs) 600 years it's, it's kind of like doing a race holding an egg and a spoon. Haven't you done that mm-hmm, in your backyard it is. with and friends? And uh, more than that, they need to flip the pancake during oh. the race as well. Oh, that, so it adds a little little extra layer to do it. Do you stop to flip or do you continue to run and flip and then you've got to really time it out? I think if you want to win, Heidi, you got to flip, you gotta on, flip on the run. While, uh, while you're moving. On I think you've got to save time. Yeah. Uh, this was a Lent thing now. I guess it was Shrove Tuesday, which is what they used to call. Oh, Pancake Tuesday. Yeah, which yeah. is what they used to call uh, Marty or Fat Tuesday in England. Supposed to eat Shrove pancakes. Tuesday. Hmm. Uh, so now that they do this uh, for Lent, I guess they did it uh, a couple days ago. And 63 seconds, that was the time. It's about, uh, what did it say, 400 meters? So, it, But you got to wind through the streets. Ooh. Why would this woman have to run to the church? For any reason. She was trying to get to serve church services. She didn't realize what time it was. I, I, so the story goes. Yeah, so, I, I kind of love these kind of stories. She brought the pan with her. Yeah. And she brought the pan with her. Do you participate in any of these things on a yearly basis, whether it's the um, the polar plunge yeah. or the Shrove Tuesday pancake run? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know many other 
countries they have these things where you you know run through town barefoot or what's that tomato festival in Spain? Well, I mean you've also got if you go out to Herman during Oktoberfest, you can stomp the grapes and do some of that fun. And over in Collinsville, you have to eat a bunch of horseradish. That is not what the horseradish festival is. It's not? (laughs) Uh, The city this is in, by the way, is in Olney, England. It's north of London. So, Josh, if you ever want to partake in the pancake race. Olney, home of the white squirrel. Yeah, Illinois. Olney, Illinois. Yeah. I'm excited about this. Target just announced its latest designer collaboration, and it is iconic. The Diane Von Furstenberg for Target collaboration will include everything from clothing to accessories to homewares to beauty products. And as to be expected from the DF, DVF collection, everything will include those bright colors and patterns. Now, if you don't know, gentlemen, she's known for creating the wrap dress. 50 years ago. So the collection wouldn't be complete without the iconic fashion piece. She said this uh, wrap dress is as close to the brand as you can get. It's a wrap dress with long sleeves and only $50. Now, if you're going to go buy the wrap dress in Neiman or Saks or wherever it's sold, I don't know, it's going to cost you a couple, if not several hundred dollars. Mm. The whole collection encompasses more than 200 pieces, starts at just $4 with many pieces coming in under 50 bucks. The designer also worked closely with her granddaughter, who is her own entrepreneur and designer, Talita von Fostenberg. And she says it's about creating creativity and colors and lifestyle of happiness and cheerfulness, just things for your life that will make you feel good. The collection also includes made-to-order furniture, which I did not know was even in the Diane von Furstenberg collection. The furniture starts at $300 and can be customized with one of seven different DVF for Target fab- fabrics, which is really cool. The collab will be available to shop online and in select Target stores starting March 23rd and will be available while supplies last. They've been doing this for years, collaborating with top designers to have the their yeah. Target run, you know. What was it, uh, the Jacqueline Smith collection? Was that was that? a Kmart. That was a Kmart. Yeah. I mean, this. But they have the Magnolia home collection in that certain area that looks a little di- I mean, they've been doing this for a while. That's why we refer to it as Target. Target. Well, moving from Target to Walmart. 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 Um, Walmart has bought Vizio, the TV maker, for $2.3 billion in wow. cash. And if you're thinking, oh, well, Walmart just wants to start uh, selling their own TVs now, it has nothing to do with the TVs. It's all about ad sales. Listen to this. Vizio has the Vizio SmartCast operating system, which mm-hmm. I have a uh, LG. But don't they all have that? And whenever Samsung I, does. Right. Whenever I turn my TV on, that's it what pops up. Gives me the splash screen then I pick you know, if I want to watch Hulu or Disney Plus and there's advertisements mm-hmm. and LG has their own channels to watch, you know, Weird and wild television. They had the outdoor channel. and Yeah, who makes that? You know, I've thumbed through these free channels, and mm-hmm. there's not a lot to pick from, you know. 
Well, there's a lot to pick from. There's right. not a lot that you want. That I, so that's yeah. two different things because right. there's plenty to choose from. It's like I saw cooking shows on. There's cooking shows yeah. and whatnot. A lot, of, a lot of chaff, right? Yeah. Not so much wheat. Um, but Vizio has 18 million active accounts with this smart operating system. And Walmart said, you know what? We could buy that and put our own advertising up there and sell other advertising to other people. Smart. They said that their advertising sales grew 22% in the fourth quarter of last year. And the margins on this business is a lot higher than selling shirts and groceries to regular Walmart shoppers. So Walmart is getting into the TV business for the ad revenue, and it makes sense. If you have people's undivided attention looking at their TV screens or looking at their phones, might as well try to target them there because mm-hmm. that thing is on more than it's not. A lot. In my house. So are yeah. they going to make the TVs still? Or are they going to call them Walmart brands? No, no. It's just Vizio TVs. They're just no. owned by Walmart now. Okay. And Vizio, I mean. We've had a couple of Vizio yeah, TVs. It's kind of a, a – a, uh, I want to say knockoff because it's not a knockoff, no. but it's a lower. It's not a Samsung, you know. What's the big member? But I think Magnavox? when we were talking to Wirecutter, they were like, "Really, a lot of these TVs, yes, are they, re- they really are just yeah, as good, all the same these and days." Sometimes they make them in the same factories. That happens a lot with and a lot just, of different things. Hey, remember this Zenith? Yeah. Where did that go? That was like the TV brand back it in was. the day. I bet it was gobbled up by somebody. Gone. Yeah. But we can Google it. I'll tell you what does stand the test of time and is better than all the rest, and that is Altair Traveling Cruises, really because they have just a fantastic team. I'm just going to give you an example. I called today because my mom is going to go on a church trip with some friends from New Madrid and going to Italy. And I was just able to call over there and go, look, here's the insurance they're offering. Will you look at this and tell me if she needs better insurance for this? And immediately Angie's like, well, here's what it'll, here's what she's getting. Here's what I would recommend. I mean, they just, they handle everything with such care. And immediately I just saw, you know, that my mom's face kind of became more relaxed. Okay, now I'm dealing with a true professional. I don't have to be worried anymore. And that's what everybody at Altair Travel and Cruises, that's what they do for all of their clients. It doesn't matter if you just want plane tickets to, you know, go see your grandkids or if you want to plan a Two-week trip somewhere, a cruise, Altair Travel and Cruises can help you with all of it. If you go to AltairTravel.com, you'll see some of the featured destinations. And they just announced, maybe yesterday, that Mike Ward is going to do a, a fantastic trip. I think that's happening in 2025, but this is going to be a fantastic one. And I'm sure Mike will tell you more about it on Friday, but it's enticing Duro, August 5th through the 12th, 2025. So that's going to be a, a fun one. But I'm telling you, if there is a place on your bucket list, start planning it with Altair Travel and Cruises because they know so much more than the average person. Maybe you've heard from friends, oh, well, you know, you want to stop and see this. Altair will say, yeah, you know, it's great, but you know what's even better? 
this. All of my friends all always say, now, who do you travel with? Altair Travel and Cruises, that's who you should travel with as well. AltairTravel.com, or you can call them 314-968-9600 because out-of-this-world adventures and worry-free travel await with Altair Travel. Time for some entertainment news. The Beatles are getting their own biopic film series from the director of Skyfall and 1917. Sam Mendez, and this is kind of an interesting take. There will be four films, one each from the perspective of each Beatle, Paul, John, George, and Ringo. They will hit theaters in 2027, but a specific schedule hasn't been announced. Now, this is the first time that Paul, Ringo, and the families of John and George have granted full life story and music rights, and that's a big deal. Sam says, quote, I'm honored to be telling the story of the greatest rock band of all time and excited to challenge the notion of what constitutes a trip to the movies. Ringo also shared his support. He says, quote, have you heard the news? Oh, boy. We all support the Sam Mendes movie project. Yes, indeed. Peace and love. Do you think that it's like when you go to McDonald's and get a Happy Meal, you don't know? Ooh, which should, one you're going to get? Like, it should be like the Clue movie. Like, you just yeah. you don't know what you're going to actually watch. You're like, oh, I got the Ringo oh, one again. Man. <laughs> or do you think they're going to come out and you have to watch them in a specific order? No, I don't think you should have to watch them in a specific order, but I but, don't know. I, but maybe it starts with... A specific friendship, and you watch how things grow and then fall apart. If that was the case, you'd have to see it in maybe so these an are, order. These are, do they go beyond the Beatles, or does it stop? It at doesn't, 19? Say. It doesn't really say. It just yeah, probably pre Beatles. That's least. what I would say too. And like their their personal stories, mm-hmm. growing up and learning instruments and playing. But I I like the concept of a different story from each. I just one. think the Ringo one's going to be shorter than the other ones. You know what? They'll surprise you. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ringo, Ringo Starr has a much more interesting life than any of the three of us. Well, well yeah. For sure. Duh. True. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Michael Keaton and director Tim Burton decided early on that if they did a sequel to Beetlejuice, it had to feel homemade, especially with all the technology there is today. So... That's what they think that they're doing, and they're both pretty proud of the project. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice hits theaters September 6th. I don't think I've ever seen the original. Is it worth really? it? I tried to watch. My wife told me to turn it off because it is kind of. Silly? Yeah, sort of. Yeah, silly yeah. is a good word for it. Um, Tim Burton probably is not in my genre. That's fair. That's fair. But it was good. You yeah. know, I remember watching it as a eight-year-old. Well, then that's but. a little different, isn't it? How about this? There's a scene in Bob Marley, One Love, which it is not getting good reviews. It's not. Oh. Where Bob meets one of the men who tried to assassinate him in 1976 and forgives him. The meeting never took place. Now, I think that goes beyond artistic liberties. I think that's a little too far. I mean, that's really adding a whole different storyline. And you'd have to ask the the director and the writers, why? Yeah, why? Why'd you do this? They just said they're kind of like, for all the colorful life that he lived, this is kind of whitewashing it a bit. And that is a shame because... 
for warts and all, I mean, he was kind of a womanizer. Well, that's what makes it so interesting, isn't it? You want to know the dirty stuff. Well, I think you've got to get sign-off from the estate and the family, and And maybe they don't want to tell you about all that stuff. Beyonce single, Texas Hold'em, number one on the Billboard Hot Country Songs chart. She is the first black woman to ever hold this spot. How about that? And what did what did I read? She and Taylor Swift. She and Taylor Swift are the only two women, female artists, mm-hmm. to ever have a number one song on Billboard's Hot Country Songs list. How is that possible? Like, okay, the Dixie Chicks, that's a girl group. Yeah. Okay? But solo women, you're telling me that Are they talking about their very first country album? That's what I was trying to... Or are they talking in general? Beyonce becomes the only other solo woman with no accompanying artist to achieve the feat next to Taylor Swift. Yeah. Well, as I said back in the studio, it's because radio doesn't play country women. And that's been long said for a while. But I can't imagine Dolly Parton's never had that through the years. But I guess back in the day... That was the same thing? Same thing was happening. That's that's stunning. With all the amazing female country artists throughout the years you know reba never Mm -hmm. did it yeah okay madonna took a spill on stage in seattle sunday night she was sitting in a chair when one of her dancers kind of comes from behind and is pulling it but the chairs leaned back and then as the person starts dragging this chair across the stage the dancer slips and falls both the dancer and madonna goes down madonna played it off and well the pre-recorded track never stopped. Oh. Which. Are we surprised? I don't know. I The backup track, I'm okay with. I don't want the lead vocals to be. Well, here's, here's the argument, again, especially when you have a stage show that is as active as. Then don't do it. I'd rather not see it. I mean, no. I'd rather not see all the stuff. I'd, it's hard to do all the dance numbers and the running around. Does it? Are we oh. sure she didn't just keep singing through the fall? I, you can watch the video. Her <laughs> lips are not moving. Madonna is in her 60s. Mm-hmm. So. But it just is, I don't know. Now, Sylvester Stallone didn't have such good luck back in the day. He was left in a very bad situation during the filming of the first Expendables movie. I guess a stunt went wrong. And in the second season of The Family Stallone, which I have not Seeing a single episode. Not be watching that show. But it premieres today. Sylvester is seen preparing for his seventh back surgery, stemming from injuries sustained on the set of that 2010 film after his body, I mean, just his body slammed, I should say, by WWE legend Steve Austin during a fight scene. He said that, like, in the moment, he just kept saying, no, we'll do it over or do it over. And I mean, seven surgeries later. Still has pain. A perfectionist for the movie The Expendables. <laughs> let's let's the, not forget. The art house movie. Well. Uh, the Expendables. The first Expendables. How many were there? Yeah. Seven surgeries. Yeah. For, the, for one injury. Lainey Wilson is killing it this year. You How know, has she not gone to the top? Heart like a truck. She just won the Grammy for Best Country Album, the People's Choice Award for Favorite Female Artist. But if you need a little inspiration, here you go. She got rejected from American Idol. 
Not once, not twice, not three times. Count them seven times. Mm. She never made it past the first round. So when Luke Bryan was told about Lainey's past with American Idol, he was a bit shocked. He said that was the first time he had heard it, but I'm glad she didn't take the Idol let down to heart. He then admitted, we don't always get it right. And how many people do they actually get to pick for that show? There are probably hundreds of insanely talented people that get rejected. I think Marin Morris was rejected. I think there's a long list of people who are now, you know, having a great career but got rejected from one or the other. I mean, Morgan Wallen did not, I think he made it to like the top eight on The Voice, but he didn't win it. Morgan Wallen was on The Voice? Mm -hmm. Is that where he came from? I mean... He was on there the same year, I think, because I had to go back and look at some of my pictures as Tess Boyer and Patrick Thompson. So, the yeah. Morgan Wallen? The was one that on was in a little controversy and now is. Well, multiple controversies. Yes, yes that one. <laughs> the one that's selling out yes. stadium shows. Garth Brooks has a proposition for Travis Kelsey ahead of his friends in low places bar and honky talk which is opening in Nashville just in a couple of weeks March 7th he reached out to Travis after seeing Travis's performance of the 1990 hit at the Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade did you see when Travis grabbed the microphone and attempts to sing friends in low places no yeah well to Gar's delight he went on his uh, inside Studio G and said, did you see Travis Kelsey's version of Friends in Low Places? Did you see him sing it? I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. He went on to say he wasn't planning on attending his bar's upcoming opening, but would go if a certain Kansas City Chiefs tight end were to show up. He even said, big man, I'm just telling you this. I will be at the grand opening if you're there. I'll send a plane if you want Come and get another shot at the title. If you want to come sing it, I'll send a plane. You can come by yourself, bring your brother, your gang, whatever you want. The plane holds 11. Just remember that uh, I'll be happy to send this invite out if you want to try a little Friends in Low Places in Friends in Low Places, which I think is kind of fun. That is great. And if he was going to go to any one of those bars, I think it would be Garth's. That one. He, by the way, is no stranger to private planes. Apparently, Taylor sent hers to him. To join her in Sydney for her upcoming Eras tour dates. Wow. Send in the private plane. Uh Look, that's a power move right there. (laughs) Sydney Sweeney will host Saturday Night Live on March 2nd with musical guest, one of my faves, Casey Musgraves. Josh Brolin will host March 9th. What's he got to promote? He's got, I saw something, but I don't remember exactly what it was, but he has something coming out. He's got Dune. Oh, Uh, that's right. Thank you, Connor. When uh, does that come out? Well, probably Soon. March 10th. Are we going to get uh, Timmy, Timmy Chalamet yeah. on SNL, Zendaya? He's pretty good. He doing, was good. He was yeah. on it and did it. And then musical guest with Josh Brolin is Ariana Grande. So, I, I, I'm looking up the Morgan Wallen, the voice uh-huh. pictures. He's pretty young. I mean, Morgan Wallen, outlaw, bro country, you and he's know, what, 18, bad, 19? bad boy of country music. He looks like such a cheese ball. Yep. Crazy. Okay, so a couple people celebrating a birthday. Elliot Page is 37. Jordan Peele from Key and Peele is 45. And, I mean, talk about pretty 
brilliant. I mean, Oscar nominee for writing and directing Get Out, which I thought was great. Mary Chapin Carpenter is 66. If You know her songs, Passionate Kisses, I Feel Lucky. It, she's pretty darn good. Kelsey Grammer is 69. And then one of my favorites, Tyne Daly, Mary Beth Lacey on Cagney and Lacey is 78. Also a pretty big Broadway star. That's your evening entertainment report here on the Big 550 KTRS. She performed at the People's Choice Awards. Mm-hmm. She did kind of a mashup of several of her hits. Yeah. She only did like 30 seconds of this song. This is my jam. The People's Choice Awards. We Which didn't... I forgot they were even on. I don't, I guess I don't consider them a real award show. I don't know who they're for. I don't know who votes for them. But there are some big celebs. Jennifer Aniston presented. I was uh, amazed. Yeah. And how many big celebrities Showed were there? Up. I wonder if they get paid. Yeah. Because, you know, it's not a trophy that anyone can say. I a, won this. Or like uh, you even know what it looks like. Yeah. You know, look like the handle of a plunger, frankly. Um, but I don't know who it's for, but it, it's fun to see these people out and about. But are they really putting this thing on their shelf when they get home? Probably. I mean, it's still an award. Yeah. Maybe it's in the back, <laughs> behind the Emmy and the Oscar, but way behind. Yeah, you know. this is interesting too. Republican lawmakers have introduced a bill that would prohibit the sale of cold beer in Tennessee. It's already cleared a couple of hurdles in the state, but there's still more debate before it's up for a final vote. You remember when you couldn't buy alcohol on Sunday? I don't remember that, but. Certain counties, it's still like that, Well, and I think in Tennessee, and if somebody is there, I'll have to check with a couple friends. I don't think you can buy it before noon. Like if you're running to get your grocery stores, I think you have to buy it. But I think at one point you couldn't buy it at all on Sunday. What is the thought process of of making people buy warm beer? I think that you don't go to your car and drink it. But still, that is so silly. Hang on, hang on. They'll trust you with all sorts of weapons and firearms. Exactly. But you can't take a cold beer in your car because you might drink that mm-hmm. before you get home. Yeah. Now, if you are uh, going to Tennessee and you plan to stop by Graceland, they have debuted a amazing expanded Lisa Marie Presley exhibit. Oh, right which there. Which I do Gra- think yeah. that would be pretty cool. Features some of her never-before-seen childhood items, music memorabilia, clothing, and photos. I So she has a daughter who's in that uh, uh, something in the six. She's Riley Keough. She's yeah. beautiful. Daisy Jones in the Daisy Jones in the six. Mm-hmm. So maybe Riley has some sort of connection to Graceland. Maybe I know that uh, Lisa Marie would still spring Christmas is there. So yeah. Clearly, Riley well, would, too. Well, the upstairs was always blocked off. I wonder if they're ever going to open the whole thing up, you know, and make the whole thing. Because if Riley has, as a house. has no interest in... Well, I think she does. I mean, she still she still celebrated her Christmases right. there. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? I mean, that's a... I mean, it's a little, it's a tiny, well, not tiny, but it's It's not your mansion smaller. that you would think. Yeah. But uh, also available... For viewing 45 of her outfits, including the one she wore at the 2023 Golden Globe Awards, which was her last 
public appearance. But I, I think the property is more than just that. I mean, you think they also, you know, they're buried there. In oh, the they back. are? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that, right, that's always going to be a special place. Hmm. Yeah. Somebody said we always drove to Alton to drink on Sunday when I was young. You could also drink at 19 in Illinois back then. Isn't I remember that... people telling stories about that. Yeah. Like, oh, we'd go over to Illinois and drink and then drive back home. Oh, that's really safe. Makes complete. <laughs> Didn't I consider those, like, how easy it would be? Just it, Well, I guess it's the same with the gambling now, right? Right. Oh, it's not legal here. you got to yeah. drive 10 minutes. Yeah, but what about all the cities on the borders? Yeah. Well, it's been fun, but it's time to wrap this show up with some randoms. Colgate toothpaste was sold in jars when it came out in 1873. Did you just dip your toothbrush in? I think you did. And one of the ingredients was soap. Good old-fashioned soap. Makes sense. Whenever the characters on Big Bang Theory wore superhero t-shirts, they were always for characters from the DC comics, like Superman, Batman, Mm -hmm. and the Green Lantern. It's because the show and DC are both owned by Warner Brothers. Good marketing. Uh, did they talk about Spider-Man and everything, but just all the branding was all DC? I don't know. I don't know. In the nerd verse, is DC better than Marvel? In the I mean, mo- it's in the nerd verse. In the movie verse, Marvel. I guess it really depends on your opinion, Josh. Gotcha. Beatles spent the most weeks at number one on the Billboard album charts. When you factor in all their albums, it's 132 weeks total. Hmm. Taylor Swift is number two with 69 weeks. Pretty big, and pretty big gap, actually. And growing, though. Yeah. And, and growing. still putting out new music. Right. And hey, the Beatles just dropped a new track this yeah. week. Album charts. <laughs> the album charts. Well, don't put it past them. Only five of 30 MLB teams have never won the World Series. The Brewers, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Padres, the, the Mariners. The Brewers have never won? Never won. Unfortunately, 1982, we beat them. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and the Rockies have never won. And up until about four months ago, the Texas Rangers mm-hmm. had never won. It's the sport where you have the fewest teams that have never won. Like 12 teams have never won the Super Bowl. Sorry, Detroit Lions. 11 NHL teams and 10 NBA teams never won a championship. Well, I'm happy that we can say that we have won almost all of them here in St. Louis. I hope you guys will come back and hang out with us tomorrow starting at 3 o'clock. And until then, see if you can put a smile on somebody's face. It's all right.